Listeners supported AM850 KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. And today, during this segment of the program, our moment on the lighter side, uh, John Lakowski has lined us up once again to talk with the uh, stepfather of Jesus, Joseph himself. So today we welcome back as a guest, uh, and we had been visiting with uh, Joseph before Christmas and throughout the holidays, even though that has come and gone. We have a few more things we'd like to discuss with him before this series of interviews uh, ends. So again, as I said, we welcome back the husband of Mary, the stepfather of our Lord, Joseph. Good afternoon, Gary. I know before Christmas there was something in particular you wanted to talk about, something you said challenged your faith in those early days of Jesus' childhood. But before we do that, I had a particular concern I'd like to discuss as well. Well, that that would be fine. So, so what is it that you would like to talk about? Well, this last week, Joseph was Epiphany. It was the day the churches celebrated the coming of the wise men to worship the baby Jesus. I just thought it would be interesting to hear your perspective on that event. Well, th- th- this is a happy coincidence, for that's the event that I wanted to talk about as well. Uh, that's the event that challenged my faith. Challenged your faith? Why would that be? It seems to me it's the first event that would confirm what the angels told you, that the child was the Emmanuel, the God with us. Up until now, the Son of God couldn't find a place to stay. He spent the first night lying in the manger, and there was no one to greet him other than the lowly shepherds. Uh, But finally, at Epiphany, he gets the honor he deserves, worshipped by foreign kings, showered with precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and Well, you're you're right about that. I did indeed marvel at these mysterious strangers and their valuable gifts, but it's what happened after their visit that challenged our faith. Why don't you tell us the story in your own words? Thank you. I I, I will. Uh, Before we begin, we do need to clarify some of the details. I know in all the Christmas pageants, the wise men show up right on the heels of the shepherds, joining them in reverence at the manger. But that's just not so. I mean, if you read the account given by Matthew, you will note that by the time the wise men show up, we are no longer in a stable, but living in a house. You must remember these men were from the Far East. If the star first appeared at Jesus' birth, it would take months for them to make their way to Israel. In fact, by the time they arrived, Jesus was no longer a helpless infant, but he had already started to crawl. I know exactly what you're talking about. We had a a little private protest here at KFUO. The local seminary had set up a wise man right next to the manger, and I suggested that instead they should place them on the other side of the campus. And that's exactly my point. It's nice to know that one of the New Testament saints agree with me. Well, (laughs) whatever. After the upset of the trip from Nazareth, with no room in the inn, a night in a stable, noisy shepherds, and stories of angels, I thought finally our life had returned to normal. I had been able to get some carpentry work, enough, as I said, to provide us with a small but decent house. I suppose I should have realized life is never normal when you are living with the Son of God. And when these foreigners arrived, I didn't know what to think. What do you mean, Joseph? Well, at first, I was frightened. Uh, The result, I suppose, of my basic Jewish distrust of goyim. Goyim? Yes, yes, uh, goyim. uh, Foreigners, Gentiles. But when I realized their purpose in coming, when, when they told me they wanted to worship the king of the Jews, I knew it was God alone who could have directed them to us. 
How else could they have known that this child was worthy not only of the earthly honor and respect due to a future world leader, but he also deserved the worship, the worship, Gary, that is due God alone. I bet after struggling in near poverty for all this time, you were also pretty impressed with your gifts. Oh, <laughs> well, yes, I was. You too know the value of gold. It has been a precious commodity for all times and places. But what about frankincense and myrrh? Well, they were a valuable fragrant uh, resin, a key component in perfumes and medicines. I'm sure at some point you must have given perfume to your wife as a gift. You know that it can cost hundreds of dollars an ounce. What? That's kind of funny because the stuff I buy at the local drugstore only costs about $5 a gallon. Yeah, poor <laughs> wife. Uh, trust me, Gary. Truly fine perfumes are a valuable commodity worth their weight in gold. And you're right. I, I was overjoyed. Finally, we realized the blessings that you would have expected of the family of God. It was as if we had been made wealthy overnight on such... Gifts a frugal family could live for years. Uh, but I also had a feeling of uneasiness. And why would that be, Joseph? Perhaps it was simply my nature. When anything good happens, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's not that I don't trust God. It's just that I realize how sinful the world is. When God blesses, it is often to prepare us for difficulties to come. And when the wise men told me their story, I knew I had reason for my concern. What did the wise men tell you that troubled you so much? We had heard stories of many marvels, of, of voices speaking from heaven, of angelic choirs. And now we heard of another miraculous sign, a star that appeared at the birth of our child. A star which, by the way, fulfilled the ancient prophecy of Numbers 24. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. They told us this star had led them to our very location. Well, I'm sorry, Joseph, but I still don't see why that would make you feel uneasy. After all, it just confirms what you witnessed throughout your story. Things may not work out the way you have planned, but they always work the way God planned. Things always happen just the way God's Word says they will happen. That's true. But the problem was they told me for a while the star had disappeared, and they didn't know where to go. If only they'd read the scriptures more carefully, they would have known the prophecy of Micah, the word that had comforted us in our dangerous journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the clear promise that the Messiah would be of the clan of Judah, the son of David, born in Bethlehem. I still don't understand why any of this would cause you to be concerned. As you said, everything is happening according to God's word. The scriptures had said the nations would come to the Messiah, the Old Testament even speaks of them bringing gifts of gold and frankincense. But, but don't you see, that's exactly the problem. Uh, the scriptures were being fulfilled, and the scriptures had also testified that this Messiah would be a suffering servant. I knew all along his life would be one of persecution. I just didn't know how quickly it would come. As I was saying, if they'd only known the Bible, they would have known to come immediately to Bethlehem. But in their ignorance, they went to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, and they consulted with the present king of the Jews, King Herod. And we all know why that would be a problem. Herod had two characteristics that are always dangerous in combination. And what are those? Ruthlessness and paranoia. The wickedness of Herod was known and feared by all. 
He knew his rule was tenuous. Do you know he was the first person to sit on the throne in Jerusalem who was not a full-blooded Jew? He had gotten the position by marrying into the Jewish royal family and by being a friend of Caesar Augustus. He felt threatened by his in-laws, so he had them killed. He worried about his ten wives and numerous sons, so many of them were assassinated as well. If a man does that to his own child, you can imagine what he would do to your child. And we all know what he would do, as Matthew tells us. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent out to kill all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the regions where there were two-year-old or under, according to that time. Now you can see why my faith was challenged. We had our struggles, our ups and downs, but never before had we feared for the life of our child. But in the end, God spared the child. You received an angelic warning, and you were able to flee Bethlehem before the arrival of Herod's soldiers. Uh, that's not as easy as it sounds. But would you like it if you had to grab whatever you could and flee in the middle of the night, leaving behind the comfort of your home and house, and then had to flee to Egypt, that land where your ancestors had been subjected as slaves? You're right. It would be hard, and it would test your faith. Looking back on it, I, I can see how God kept his promise that he would never give us more than we can bear. After all, he did bring us the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There would be no work in Egypt for a Jewish carpenter, but we had the resources to get by until we could return to our homeland. You're right, Joseph. It was a trial of your faith, but perhaps not as great a trial of those mothers whose children had died in Bethlehem. That's true, Gary. The Bible speaks of Rachel weeping for her children. And so it is even today. We weep at the children who die an untimely death. But remember, our child may have been delivered on this occasion. But the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. It was God's plan all along that his son would die, only not here at Bethlehem, but, but later on a cross, a victim of another ruthless leader. But his death was not merely a tragic miscarriage of justice, but a planned sacrifice, God giving his own son as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Well, you knew the scriptures, didn't you, Joseph? You knew Isaiah had prophesied, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for sin. Yes, from the first day the angel told me he would save his people from their sins. I, I knew what that meant for him. As it was, I did not live to see that event. But I understood from the beginning the great sacrifice my child would have to make. And you know, Joseph, that sacrifice would make all the difference in the world. He didn't necessarily put an end to struggles and trials and death, but as the Roman passage you quoted earlier goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Uh, no, in all of these things— we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, Jesus our Lord. In my life I saw and felt many things that caused me to doubt, but that was the promise that gave me faith throughout it all. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Oh, no, really, thank you so much, Joseph. Uh, thanks for your time and your words over the last few weeks. We are the messenger of good news, KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere.